Good morning, everyone. Good morning to all of those who are joining on the live stream. And um, y'all, we are the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Um, and for all of you, we are here in the fabulous Deluxe Theater, the heart of the Fifth Ward Cultural District. As we gather today, um, and as many celebrate Dia de los Muertos, I would like to extend my gratitude and honor to those who have come before. I would like to take a moment to honor our elders, the artists, the community leaders, the organizers, upon whose work, whose labor, whose sacrifice have helped make this moment possible. We honor all who uh, persevere despite hardship, who celebrate the humanity and creativity of all people, and who are committed to a future that empowers us and our generations forward to an opportunity to be fully themselves and to build a thriving community. I'm Sixto Wagen, the, uh, the director of the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund. And today is a celebration of survival, a commitment to networks and a recognition of how art and culture is at the heart of our community. We will recognize 11 organizations as Houston cultural treasures, highlight some of the events and learning that made some of this moment possible. In 2020, the Ford Foundation responded to the devastating impact, economic impact of COVID-19 on the BIPOC arts community across the country by forming the America's Cultural Treasures Initiative. This initiative was uh, also a response to the racial reckoning following the murder of George Floyd to underscore that the arts could help us find a way forward toward healing. The Ford Foundation, along with the coalition of national funders, committed $156 million to support BIPOC arts communities across the country and asked local philanthropic partners to match their funding for the geographic area. Specifically, these funds are to be used for multi-year grant programs for cult uh, cultural groups of color that have exceptional regional or local significance. The investment in the BIPOC arts community was long overdue. The disparity in arts funding nationally and here in the Houston area is spectacular. In Houston, PWI organizations have a median income that is 22 times more than BIPOC arts organizations. If you understand the systemic inequalities facing the BIPOC com community, this disparity in funding will come as no surprise. In Houston, the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund was created with a $12.4 million to support BIPOC artists and arts organizations. We thank the Houston Endowment, Ford Foundation, Kinder Foundation, the Powell Foundation, the Brown Foundation, and the Cullen Foundation, who have made commitments to our work. We launched in September of 2021. Very exciting and long years. <laughs> um, over the past two years, we've made some significant progress, and I'd like to invite Kelly Willits of the steering committee to share highlights of our progress with you. Thank you, Sixto. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dr. Kelly Willis. I'm the principal consultant founder of Zero Professional Development. I would like to present some of the highlights of our first two years. As the only regional initiative that is not embedded in a foundation, we are intentional about working with and for our communities. Our leadership team brings philanthropy, artists, arts organization leaders, and community leaders together to listen, learn, and respond. We've built community design and review teams whose work repairs histories of inequitable access by centering on humanity, care, and the recognition of voices that have had a direct impact with organizations and artists. Our first funding strategy was to invest $2 million into BIPOC-founded and led organizations who, need, who needed urgent support in the face of a pandemic and other compounding crises. In early 2023, we celebrated our first award initiative by funding 25 artists. Each artist received $20,000 and another round of artist awards will open in the summer of 2024. We have established an 18 month learning community to enable a self-determined future. Already, we spark changes in the ecosystem. 
we will continue to learn and document the impacts of our work. I am now pleased to introduce Long Chu with Houston Endowment to share our next strategy, Houston's cultural treasure. Thank you. Um, good morning, y'all. I'm such an amateur, I jumped the gun. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, my name is Long, and, and uh, I am so happy to be here with you. Thank you for coming. This is a terrific and amazing moment. So I just want to pause and sort of um, have you breathe, breathe that joy in, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm certainly grateful and happy. Um, so today, uh, we get to name the 11 organizations uh, who are designated as Houston Cultural Treasures. Um, in all, a total of about 5 million uh, indirect funding and technical support will be distributed across these organizations. So these are um, organizations who have a long history of stewarding and inspiring artists and organizations and supporting the sector that they live in. Um, you know, they, they are committed to strengthening the BIPOC ecosystem of Greater Houston. And historically, these are also organizations that have presented, produced, and created work that speak to the vitality and the lives of BIPOC communities. Each organization will receive a multi-year operating support grant, unrestricted grants ranging from 100,000 to half a million dollars. We've also created a two-year learning cohort that will provide opportunities to share knowledge, to build capacity, to experiment with new ideas. Um, and so those are also resources that will be at hand for these organizations. Um, it is uh, a wonderful uh, a role uh, that I will share with Kelly to announce the 11 cultural treasures. Um, to celebrate each organization, we ask that the organization's leadership and friends to stand up and be recognized in a round of applause uh, as we describe uh, a short um, brief statement of your mission and share the founding date. As you can see, probably from the founding dates that many of these organizations have existed for a long time and maybe without your knowledge. And so this is the right time to, to call them out. Um, once the uh, applause ends for your uh, team, go ahead and sit down. You don't want to stand for the entire time. Uh, sit down and, and, and then we'll move on to the uh, next organization. So um, this is kind of like the uh, Academy Awards moment. I hope <laughs> that we don't uh, we misname the movie because Moonlight won, right? But they didn't know that they won. So, um, oh, let's see. I'm so bad. Okay, here we go. Okay. We're ready. <laughs> All right. Aren't they biblical press? Yes. Founded in 1979, Arte Publica Press is the United States' premier and most extensive Latino Please take a moment to celebrate the founder and director, Nicholas, uh, and for the vanguard work that you have done for our community. I will take a moment. People need to receive their flowers while they're here. I'm here for hand clapping. Okay. Founded by Captain Matthews in 2000 to explore and display the stories and contributions of African Americans in the military, Buffalo Soldiers National Museum is currently led by its CEO, Desmond Bertrand. Let's recognize Buffalo Soldiers National Museum. Right, next, Community Artist Collective, yes. 
co-founded by veteran community culture bearer, um, Michelle Barnes and Dr. Sarah Trotti. In 1984, the Community Artist Collective mission is to provide the educational and cultural link among African American artists and all communities inspiring unlimited creativity. Thank you for your work. This doesn't like me. No. Go, oh! Does it? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Community Music Center, Houston. <laughs> Established in 1979 by Ron Scales and Patricia Johnson, the Community Music Center of Houston preserves Black music tradition through education, performance, and community engagement. Please take a moment to congratulate Managing Director Ron Scales, who is part of our vital audience and music director. Dr. Ann Lundy and the team. H. Mac. Houston Museum of African American Culture. The entity was founded actually in 1999 with the leadership of Mayor Lee Brown. Uh, HMAC is currently led by CEO John Guess. Since 2001, they have served as a cultural gateway uniting people to exchange and intertwine narratives that honor and expand the African American legacy. Thank you very much for your work. The Indo American Founded in 1993 by Dr. Hari Dayal, the Indo-American Association is amongst the longest-serving organizations in North America focused on preserving Indian performing arts. Let's celebrate Executive Director Sheetal Betty and the Indo-American Association. Okay. Affectionately known as Mecca, Multicultural Education and Counseling Through the Arts was founded by Alice Valdez. Yes, yes, in 1979. Mecca is a community rooted organization dedicated to nurturing the holistic growth of marginalized and underserved families. Mecca recently named Executive Director Armando Silva to succeed Alice. Mia Cultural Center. Since 1996, the Mia Cultural Center has been dedicated to the preservation and dissemination of the rich historical tapestry of Galveston's African American community. Please join me in congratulating founder and executive director Sue Johnson and the Mia Cultural Team. It's a palabra. Latina writers having their say. And they are having their say today. Founded in 1998 by Tony Diaz, Mes Palabra promotes and defends Latino literacy, literature, and culture. Um, Tony's in Chile, but we have a state poet <laughs> with us. <laughs> Thank you very much for your work. Shape Community Center was founded in the Third Ward in 1969. Since then, co-founder and executive director Deloitte Parker and the community have built Shape into a comprehensive and holistic community institution. Please celebrate SHAPE and their deputy director, Chandra Mohammed. Congratulations. 
All right. Silambam, Houston. This organization was founded in 2002 by Lavanya Rajagopalan. Here today, but the team is here um, with the mission of promoting Indian classical arts through artistic education and promoting young talent in Indian performance arts. Congratulations to Salambam. See, I can't control y'all. Y'all just keep on. Go ahead and celebrate. So to all of our Houston cultural treasures, congratulations. Thank you, Vaughn and Kelly. And um, we've compiled a few words from our cultural treasures. If the video works. I am Nicolas Canelos. I'm the director of Arte Publico Press. I just want to thank everyone involved with Banff and with the selection of Arte Publico as one of Houston's cultural treasures. We really take that to heart and it really helps us overcome what my board has always seen as Arte Publico being one of Houston's best kept secrets. We hope that this will get the word out about us and also allow us more play in the community as well as uh, in, empower us to work with other groups to develop the arts community here in Houston. I am Desmond Bertrand Pitts, CEO of the Buffalo Soldiers National Museum. The Houston Cultural Treasures opportunity is a true path to sustainability for us, truly transformational. It allows us to focus on capital campaign improvements, increasing human capital and staff capacity, and working on our organizational infrastructure. We are excited to be a part of this colloid. Hi, my name is Michelle Barnes. I'm co-founder and executive director of the Community Artists Collective. And what being a Houston cultural treasure means to our organization is that we will be better prepared for the struggles that are ahead. The BIPOC Houston cultural treasures funding will better enable us to prepare for the challenges of the future that will create barriers to services that we intend to provide to children, families, adults, and tourists to the greater Houston area. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Watkins, chairperson of the board of the Community Music Center of Houston. Thank you so much for this Houston Cultural Treasures programming and funding. With this money, we will be able to start to transform our building into a community musical arts center, providing music education and training and employment for people throughout the community of Houston and expanding our programming. Once again, we are very grateful. Hi, my name is John Guess, and I'm the CEO of the Houston Museum of African American Culture. We're thrilled to be judged a cultural treasure. It means so much to have this designation where we are recognized for the work that we do extensively in the community. This is Sheetal Bedi, Executive Director of the Indo American Association of Houston. We are humbled and thrilled to be recognized as a Houston cultural treasure. This award has great significance for IAA. In our 30-year history, we have tried to explain our existence and now with the bestowing of this award as one of Houston's cultural treasures, we look forward to nourishing our collective roots so that the next 30 years will ensure the growth of strong limbs and our branches will provide shade for other BIPOC communities. Thank you, BANF, and congratulations to our fellow awardees. I'm Sue Johnson, founder and executive director of the NIA Cultural Center. NIA Cultural Center was founded in 1992 in Galveston, Texas, the birthplace of Juneteenth. I'm filled with joy to be recognized as a Houston cultural treasure by the BIPOC Arts Network Fund. This gift will help us to build capacity expand our programming, and to make valued connections with other regional Black arts 
and culture groups. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this transformational gift. Hi, I'm Chandra Muhammad, Deputy Executive Director of Shade Community Center. We are so grateful and honored for this award. I still can't wrap my head around this how transformational this can be for SHAPE and for the community. We celebrate 55 years next year, and this award truly helps us to ensure that SHAPE is here for another 55 and beyond. Thank you so much. I am Lavanya Rajagopalan, Executive Artistic Director of Philembum Houston, an Indian classical arts organization. We are happy, honored, and humbled to have been designated a Houston cultural treasure. This is transformational, not just for our organization, but for the BIPOC arts ecosystem at large in Houston. We thank the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund and for all of the funding entities behind this initiative for their vision in creating this path forward for BIPOC art and artists in our community. Thank you. As we are excited to recognize these organizations as Houston cultural treasures, we will soon embark in a two-year learning community with them. For those of you who haven't experienced the community, uh, uh, the community or the power of these organizations, I ask you to go out, see them, experience their programs, their classes, their education, be part of the community that has continued to make Houston actually the diverse city that we deserve. Please, for those of you in the out, like, those of you in the audience, all of y'all have like have partnered, collaborated with each other. If you all in the like, live stream audience have not done that, please go out, collaborate, see other experiences all across Houston and Galveston. We are here. We are Houston cultural treasures, and thank you. So we are going to transition into our panel discussion, state of the network. Um, and unfortunately, our, moder like our moderator, Veronica Chapa-Gradinsky, um, has taken ill. So I'm going to step into that role. And, and so part of the purpose of this is to hear from different parts of our stakeholder community, discuss learning um, hopes for the upcoming year. And uh, then if you all can see uh, the bios of the panelists with the QR codes that are on your, uh, on your name tags so that you have full bios on that component. So uh, we will... I'll transition. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Um, yeah, the same, my Oprah moment. Anyway, um, so I, I, I think that, again, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for the work. Thank you all for being here. And hopefully, um, this will be an exciting learning moment for all of us. So um, I can't tell you. The two years of, of learning um, that happens in our conversations um, from our organizations, from the work that they do. And uh, all of that is actually, some of it is captured on our learnings.houstonbamp.org, and I'll put that up later on. But here is an opportunity to hear from you all in order to uh, talk this. Um, can you all just give a short introduction about your name, your pronouns, and also um, how, what has been your involvement with BAMP? And we're going to start with Petra hoping it was the other way around. But good morning, everyone. I'm Petra Brandon Isaac, she, her, hers. And I serve as the Director of Education for and, and Community Projects for the Kinder Foundation. Um, but more specifically today, I also serve as a steering committee member for BAMP. And I've been involved really these long two years, these amazing two years since its inception. Um, and it's been a beautiful journey to, to watch um, what this initiative has become and is becoming. So looking forward to sharing those insights with you today. Buenos dias. I am Gumaro Armando Silva, and I am currently the new executive director for multicultural education and counseling through the arts. Um, I must give a huge shout out to our founder, Alice Valdez, for whom we would not be here without. I would not be sitting here without her. Yes, please. She's watching, so please send all your love to, to Alice. Um, I started as a dance major at Mecca, and I went on to perform with the Dallas Black Dance Theater for about 10 years. And retiring from that, I came home to Houston. Coming home to Houston meant coming back to Mecca and working with Mecca. Um, 
and so yeah, he him his. I'm a multidisciplinary artist and a naturalist. Um, I'm also an arts administrator, and I see that role as an arts administrator as part of my practice as an artist. I have had the pleasure of working with Banff over the last 10 months um, on a project looking at the arts education landscape across the city. Um, we'll talk more about that in January. And then more recently, I was honored to be included in the cohort of Artist Award um, recipients. So I am here wearing this. So Effie, we're gonna start with you on this next question. Um, uh, what have you learned through your time with uh, Black Park Arts Center? You know, um, it's given me the opportunity to really think about the way that we serve we as individuals, we as organizations, as nodes within the community and the connection points that live between us, we're culture bearers and we are the flow of, of information across the city, we're conduits. And, and it's really made me think about where those gaps are through some of the work um, with Banff and just being able to connect with new people in the community, it's occurred to me that we don't all know each other. We're the biggest small town in the world in a lot of ways. <laughs> and we are overlapping in so many ways, but we're not overlapping in other ways. And it's really given me pause thinking about the work that we've been doing together. There've been moments where I realized we don't have the time to dream. We're constantly hustling. We're constantly solving problems, we're putting out fires, and we don't have the time to stop, connect with one another, kind of zoom up a little bit higher than the day-to-day, -day, the year-to-year, -year, and think about what we want for ourselves and each other. And there's just no one way that people come to this work. We're so diverse. There's all the diversity that we talk about in Houston, but we're diverse as individuals and in how we come to the creative practice, the creative field, and why we're invested in this work. Each of us has a story. Each of us came to be invested in our community for a completely different reason. But we're so invested in that work that we don't get to take breaks to just talk to one another, go grab a cup of coffee, learn. I don't know what Armando's doing next week. I should. I should know what Armando's doing next week. Um, my biggest takeaway so far, I think, is that we're living inside structures that we didn't necessarily build for ourselves. These are structures that were given to us, structures that we've absorbed as part of the norm. And those structures are rooted in speed, in growth, in numbers. And I just don't think that's where the work is. The work's in taking a breath and giving ourselves time to dream and to build something new and to build something that's for us and to try new things and make mistakes and be flexible with ourselves. And in that flexibility, I think a little bit about the way that we value ourselves. Flexibility is something that we see as a response mechanism, but I think we need to start thinking of that flexibility as a muscle that we're building with pride, something that we are nurturing, something that we bring to the table when we come into conversations as leaders and we think about how we can do more for ourselves and our communities. Thanks so much, Abby. Like, uh, Mic drop, Abby Chad. Thanks for, like, you know, I think part of what we've also seen is that um, so many of us, because of underfunding, under like resourcing, we are in a state of crisis, constant crisis, constant what is going on and constant production because we believe that we need to do something more for the next grant, for the next opportunity. And um, as you said, it doesn't give an opportunity to stop and breathe. I think one of the things about the pandemic is that we had to. We understand after George Floyd and with the pandemic how important breathing is. So how do we, as, as members of our community, actually give each other the opportunity to breathe and dream in space? Armando. Yes, you know, just touching on that quickly, as a dancer, as an artist, you always think you're only as good as your last gig, right? And so 
that's that mentality that unfortunately we've been kind of forced into. I, I think for for me and working with the Mecca team, the, the biggest thing has been to recognize that we're fortunate to be at this table right now, but there are so many more of us that are not, right? And so being able to bring their voices to this table too, not necessarily speaking for them, but making others aware, there are many more of us out here doing this work and they should also be at this table. Why are they not at this table, right? And so I think that's been the, the most important for me. Um, and also understanding again, that we're all in these little silos and that's unfortunate, right? And so I've already started in the past two years reaching out to groups like IAA, um, you know, community music centers. It, it's so exciting to see all of you in this room because Alice has worked with all of you already. And so she's laid this amazing groundwork for me to, to continue. So I'm really excited. But that for us, I think, is really the biggest thing is remember that you are just one voice at the table. There's so many other people. How do you bring them forward to, right? How can you um, create space for them? Um, yep, I think that that is. Thing that we've most learned. Thanks. Patria? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit more from a different vantage point, which is seeing this process play out. Um, I come to this work from a different sector. Uh, and so kind of being a part of so many artists and just the rich tapestry of arts work in Houston, um, I felt like an outsider initially. And I also felt like I had so much to learn. And so I'll say that's the first thing is just being able to learn because you all have uh, been able to share your rich stories of persistence and of thriving um, in a way that allows you to show up and, and hopefully be your whole selves. And to me, that's been the, the greatest joy. I mean, I'm a native Houstonian, and I think we all know, you know, wherever you're from, you can be from your city and not really fully know all of your city and what it has to offer and the treasures that are sitting. Um, I don't want to use the, the phrase right beneath your nose, but just like there in front of you, but you, you don't necessarily know the origin stories of those organizations. And that's what I felt through this process, um, you know, being a connected very much to third ward in my childhood. I, I heard about Shape Community Center. I um, I didn't hear about Community Music Center, just just didn't know. And, and I was able to connect both of those to a church that I've been a member of learning about their origin stories. And like, to me, that's, that's huge to know the history of where this work started um, and, and where, you know, it's how far it's come over the last several decades. So for me, that was beautiful. And then to learn about organizations that I had never even heard of, like Salon Bomb, and um, to know what they're doing to forge a pathway for Indian classical dance, um, to show that that is something you can do beyond your formative years, like to just understand their passion for that has been amazing. Um, so I think the learning is huge, uh, but also just process. I have learned from this that it is possible to do things differently. And when you have initiatives like this, um, it's very easy to uh, do it behind closed doors and do it from the top down. It's very often that you see people prioritize efficiency over equity and inclusiveness, um, that you see a priority of uh, healthy skepticism over just sheer, you know, inquiry and, and being inquisitive. And I think that that's what BAMP has does, done. And I think that um, that should really be shared in terms of it's possible to do, do this again um, in, in other initiatives where you're selecting or, or figuring out how to resource groups that have been marginalized um, or underserved. And so that for me is the biggest thing. And I think we've heard affirmation in that. You know, Houston is one of seven regions that receive the generous funding from Ford Foundation. And we do keep in touch with, uh, with the other regions and they're doing great work. But what we have also heard is that as they reflected on this work, which they may have finished sooner than we did, um, at least their initial rounds, that they are uh, reflecting on things that they could have done differently or parts of the work that might've been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, progressed through faster than they wanted. And I think that some of the reflections have, have really spoken to what we have chosen to do in Houston that is a bit messier, much longer, um, a bit more nuanced, but certainly more catalytic toward uh, just honoring and acknowledging the, the just great work that so many of our artists and arts organizations have done. So for me, it's the sheer learning of your stories and also just 
a process and a model that says we can do things differently than we've seen before. And it's okay. Well, thanks, because I think that, again, parts of the thing is that um, y'all are here. Y'all have been here. Y'all have been doing the work. And what we have the, the responsibility and the pleasure and the generosity to do is actually, as a BIPOC Arts Network in Glenn, is to actually help resource you all and, and acknowledge the work that you have been doing. And I think that this has been a, a great learning experience for all of us as to um, what we assumed what we knew um, and where those assumptions actually have brought us into the wrong places and actually have kept us in our own silos, have kept us doing some of this work in ways that actually aren't necessarily healthy for us. Um, and so this is an opportunity again for us to come together, learn and, and continue to challenge each other as to that. So I think you spoke a little bit, Armando, I'm gonna go to you next, to like about some of the impacts around this work. But if you, if you could actually talk a little bit more around what impacts have you observed that Banff has had in the community? Well, definitely the ability to work freely. I think that's been the biggest. I, I, a lot of times we get caught up in having to manage a grant and figure out how am I going to report this? Am I doing the work that they're going to require to see proof of, right? And that isn't necessarily where we need to be focusing on. We need to be focusing on the work that we're doing, the healing that's happening sometimes with the work that we're doing, the people that we're serving. Do we need to bring more of this, et cetera? And so that's the, the biggest impact is to be able to work and move without having that monkey on your, your back, on your shoulder. Like, oh, okay, that report is due what it was due. And like, ah, right. But instead really focused on little Johnny got a whole month of classes and that happened, right? And, and how does that impact him? Um, the other thing is really the collaboration that has been uh, afforded to us, right? Um, because we're in this network, We'd heard certain names, we didn't really know how to contact or how to even approach somebody, or are they approachable, right? And so being in this cohort has allowed us that ability to just reach out, Patreon, oh, just like that, just like that. And then the dancer comes out, right? But just, just like, it really has been that easy to reach out and say, hey, Shito, let's do something together and make it work, right? And then there's that little money there that, okay, I don't have to account for it and I don't have to report for it this way, and we get this great product that's affecting multiple communities. Thanks. Patriot, we're gonna to go to you next. I think um, some of the, the earliest impacts I see is just kind of in your, your comments about being a part of this process yourself. And I think that is acknowledgement. What, you know, the impact of being acknowledged and feeling like you're seen. Um, I've heard that several times. And I think that really, um, I think that's a part of the healing process, right? I know how it feels when I know I haven't been seen and then someone says, I see you. That does, that's so foundational. So I, I think that the impacts um, early on in this work um, are foundational. That acknowledgement of we see you, it's beyond just a nod. It's we see you and here are resources to let you know we see you um, so that you can dream and, and, and feel a little bit more free. Um, I think that's huge and should not go unstated. And that leads to greater trust building, right? Um, which is so necessary and foundational. And then the trust building leads to greater collaboration. And um, I think we've seen that in such a beautiful way, just the first round of funding for $2 million um, with the crisis funding. And really that was kind of casting a really wide net and not knowing what we were going to get. Um, and on the back end of that process, looking back and reflecting on the fact and seeing that half of the recipients were not necessarily 501c3. And to me, that spoke to collaboration because many of you in this room stepped up and said, we'll fiscally sponsor some of those organizations. To me, that's the kind of collaboration that I think is possible through this um, because otherwise, so many of those organizations would have been left out of just an initial round of funding. But because of the way that we approach this in our principles, I, I feel really proud to say that. Um, so the, I think that's those are the early impacts and we're really just starting. Um, you all are just starting the, the really hard work, but the transformational work of really coming together as a network. And so I think we have so many other impacts to learn, but I think these early impacts have hopefully been foundational and I hope that that reigns true throughout these uh, next several years. Thanks, Peter. Because I think that also uh, the what we also found with the the fiscally sponsored projects, we also see 
um, how artists and how arts organizations actually do their work and don't necessarily fit into a 501c3 model, who don't fit into some of those aspects. And so in what ways, um, particularly when we have artists who are leading the work, who actually have the vision, the dream, and figure out how to make it happen and do the hustle, um, how do we support the hustle without actually, um, make, I'm sorry, not the hustle, how do we support the work? <laughs> the hustle Forget too. about the hustle. <laughs> the hustle too. Yeah. The hustle will happen, but how do we support the work, right? Um, so I think that that's, uh, it, it's really great in order for us to be able to, again, I think reflect what are the ways at work, but also be clear on what are the systems that we have and how far we can push those systems and know how to work within or work within that aspect. And I think that's also been a really important learning from all of us as to, okay, can we do this? Like, actually, no, because legally we can't do this, but maybe somebody in partnership or in collaboration might be able to figure out how to make that thing happen. So I think that that's been one of the ongoing. And I'm like, I'm not a panelist, so, so, but might as well. I'm like, I'm always. Just, so, just wanted to touch I'm on the collaboration part. Like, what, what I've noticed is that these are really deeper than what I've seen in the past a lot is the surface collaboration. Oh, we work together, right? You mean you showed up to my space or we showed up to your space and we presented what we do. But that's not what's happening. Like, we're actually really diving in and learning about one another. And say, okay, well, that really blends in what we do. We do the same thing. We just call it this, right? And, and so that's what's really exciting is to, to understand that we are understanding one another and we're uh, allowing each other to carry our, each other's voices to into those other little areas. So the silos are breaking up, I think. Yeah. Not fast enough, <laughs> but they're breaking up. Epi? I think the impact that has really stood out for me is um, dispel, it's kind of dispelling the stereotypes around what art is in Houston, in the States, thinking outside of the basically outdated, I mean, going back to medieval times, the idea of this artist working in a silo that has a benefactor and they're making this product and that is, that is the art. I think that the network, this work has really elevated the idea that artists work in a variety of ways, that artists are our neighbors, Artists are teachers, artists are scientists, artists are economists. I would like, I think artists are often economists. We just don't get acknowledged for that. <laughs> and we're everywhere. And we don't have to work in the ways that have come before us to be considered artists, that the network is continuing to lift up voices of people who are doing wild new things and redefining what art can mean, redefining what the community connector means within the arts, and giving artists a platform that allows them to do things their own way, not have to follow in the footsteps, but to make new footsteps. And we can learn from what's come before us, but this gives us the opportunity to really grow and explore and experiment. And I don't wanna say make mistakes because they're not mistakes. They're just part of the process. Kind of think of the network as similar to like neural networks and pathways. And we as the artists are those synaptic firings and we're creating these connections that are being resourced. And all you have to do is resource artists and we figure it out. We actually tend to know what we're doing a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that all it takes is a little bit of resourcing and a little bit of support to connect us to one another, and then the work just happens. And I think the other big impact is the trust that comes through this work from Banff, from the supporters of Banff, from that bigger picture of community that's made this all come together. It's like a platform for us to think about the way that we work in a completely different way and to do it fearlessly because we know we have support, we know we have people that we can lean on, and that we don't have to worry about messing it up. There is no messing it up. It's all part of the process. And I think that impact is rippling outward because the people that are part of this community, this network currently, have our own networks. And each of those people have their own networks. So this idea that we can move forward fearlessly and just explore and experiment will ripple outward 
and into next generations and change the way that we're looking at our community well beyond the five years that Banff is slated to exist in our community. It's bigger, it's the, the ripple effect is something that, I don't know how we quantify that exactly. <laughs> That's my data brain talking, like, but how do we find? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But not like, uh, uh, no, I, I think that, uh, thanks, because I think we've had many conversations is that um, I, when many of us who have been artists actually chose to be an administrator, we think that those are separate things. Mm, not really, not really. Um, and why do arts and culture workers think that they have to be only business people and not think about where is an artistic process? And it's not failure as long, I mean, it's part of our process. How can we be process-based and not outcome-oriented and not just outcome-oriented into this work? So I think part of the thing about the data aspect is that you know, part, um, storytelling is going to be an essential part of how we do and how, and how we're going to continue to work. Um, and actually, we will be announcing um, uh, in the newsletter tomorrow that we're going to be hiring community storytellers in order to help um, do some evaluation work with us because we do believe in the power of the individual voice. We do uh, believe and trust in artists to be able to reflect back what is actually happening into this world and do it in a way that is inspirational and uh, uh, provocative, but also truthful in this. So um, we will be figuring out how, how do we actually collect our, our stories as data? How do we actually make sure that those stories are told from our community, by our community, for ways in which we can continue to challenge each other in order to think about that? So that the outcomes and the success is based on what we understand, what we know with our communities, instead of something that has to fit a national or an international model. So in fact, we hope are we are building opportunities in order to build models that are ready here. Y'all have been doing the, y'all could not have been doing the work for 40 years without having something to be going right. What are you doing right in order for us to then be able to lift and amplify that work? How do we help shift some of those concepts and, and trust as artists, trust each other and trust our communities? I also just want to say that um, it's not always only just new, right? Because we have um, forms that have been lasting longer than Western written word. Right. So, um, like, we need to understand that we are a global community that has its own culture, histories, and that if we actually listen and then respond and respect, then maybe we can continue to learn. And maybe we'll, yeah, who? I'm gonna stop that. Like, um, but then, in like, you know, we also know that, like, you know, a, the Community Arts Collective in quilt making, and how long has that actually been part of the ways, not only have we been doing expressive, but has, like, as we watched with HGO and the intelligence, how quilt making and uh, was part of uh, a resistance has been part of a community way of, of working and that some of us are just learning that now whereas others have been doing this for generations so in what ways can we again recognize what we uh, we can acknowledge what other people know and how can you share and offer that in the best and um, most hopeful ways and so that is going to be my transition to to y'all as this, this next and perhaps last question. What is your hope? Um, uh, yeah, what are your hopes for Banff and our community moving forward? Um, we'll, who wants to start? I will. Thank I'll, you. <laughs> and then just to jump on the storytelling thing, because we're all storytellers. I can't see a face in here that I can't believe that in our cultures, storytelling is not what we do. That is how we pass on our traditions. That is how we pass on culture, storytelling, right? Some of us choose to do it with dance, some do it with music, some do it verbally, orally in a song and uh, poetry, et cetera. But what, um, what is the future for, for BAMP for us, right? What I see is really expanding the work that we do without any fear, right? And then also figuring out when this five year ends, this fifth year ends, Who's next? Who's in line, right? Who is ready to support that work now? So during these five years, let's be looking at those people, lining them up and talking to the same ones. Why only five years, right? 
<laughs> it shouldn't just be five years. Keep it up. We'll keep doing what we do. We've been doing it forever. We're going to continue doing it. So that's that's for me what I think. Yeah. Thanks, no pressure, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback that. Um, yes, what is beyond five years is definitely the question. And I think about, um, because BAMP is an initiative, right? And it, it's been beautiful to see so many resources flowing, but it's still finite. And so um, I think what I hope is that every participant in the networks and the cohorts that are being built um, just really lean into what does it mean to strengthen that ecosystem in the BIPOC ecosystem, but also um, strengthening the entire arts ecosystem and saying we, we're here just as much as other mainstream organizations are here and we need to be working together in a way that, that outlasts any initiative that is currently present. And I think, um, you know, if you take the headline approach and look at, uh, I, I am not wishing on any other pandemic or anything to happen, but we know that it, it could be inevitable. And if that is the case, um, what's the headline for the BIPOC arts and broader arts community coming together and saying, we, we saw how this happened the last time and we won't let it happen again where so many organizations have been forgotten about. So this time we have a model. This time we know how to uh, reciprocate and support each other in, in the areas they need most. Um, I think that really being able to, to, to lean into the deep, visioning and dreaming that we've been talking about um, really creates something that 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 lasts a lifetime. And so, you know, I think, you know, what I'm most inspired by a lot of times I'll think on the education side about my one of my sheroes, Dr. Ruth Simmons, um, who has been president of, you know, such esteemed organizations, right? But she's told this story several times and it just stays with me that, you know, during Jim Crow segregated area uh, uh, era, that she had teachers who believed something that they could not currently see, but they were preparing her for a world that didn't exist. And, and now look. <laughs> um, and so if you can see that in an education realm, um, the same is true for the arts ecosystem, for any other ecosystem that we're talking about. And so I think that, you know, that word transformation, some of these words we throw out and it's like, what does it really mean? But I do think that transformation, just as much as it's about big change and big improvement, it's also about simply imagining what is not currently there. And I hope I hope that for every single person and entity part of BAMP, um, that 50 years from now, you're saying, wow, we did that then and now we're able to do this. So that's what I hope. look forward to a deepening of this connective tissue, the building of relationships framed on respect and trust, resource sharing, idea sharing. Um, I always think about when I'm thinking about working with someone, what does that require? And my motto is don't work with people you wouldn't have a drink with. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's whatever not, that drink might be, whatever, fill in the blank on the drink. However, <laughs> I think that there's something important about the relationships being based in friendship, based in true community, and not just about the work. And I want to see that continue for us. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna like we're gonna wrap this up much quicker than all this because really we can actually be with y'all and not be on stage. So I'm gonna uh, do this little like y'all think about your like closing thoughts, right? Any if there's anything else that you wanted to leave in this. But um, I I also did want to draw attention to um our learnings website, which is learnings.houstonbamp.org. Um, that is work that has actually been uh, that we have done after uh, with Change Elemental, um, who has been a consulting firm um, and also with a design team and a community design team for our evaluation. Um, that's been a, a synthesis of the learning and listening opportunities that happened after our round one uh, grants um, after the first year in order for us to actually sit with our organizations and our grantees and hear what the, what the realities were. 
um, and and what their needs were, what their hopes were. Um, what I can say is that we are thrilled that, um, well, we listened, and many of our programs actually are directly related to that. The idea of the space to, be, uh, to network as a cohort, to actually dream in order to create space so that it's not just about doing the same work, but how do we actually uh, um, invest in, in, in each other and invest in ways that provoke uh, new opportunities and different opportunities. Um, so that it will actually name what was needed and also our strategies. I encourage you to go uh, at to learnings.houstonbamp.org in order to do that. Thank you, Change Elemental. Thank you to the evaluation design team. Um, and thank you to Imagina Communications, who actually has been continuing to work with me because you know I might not be the best and easiest person to work with when it comes to websites. So, uh, on that. Um, so um, uh, final thoughts. Thank you. See, uh, so we're going to stop this earlier so I can cry in the back room and then I, I it won't be pretty on stage. So, uh, so great. Um, final thoughts. We're going to start with um, Epi, Armando, and then Pedro. My final thought is one of gratitude to BAMP and the supporting structures for trusting artists and for uplifting us in the work that we do and making space for us to be who we are. Thank you. I think for me is is just to remind everybody that at least the organizations that I've seen here, you know, Michelle didn't set off to to start this thing for it to be this recognized organization, to be a historical treasure, right? A cultural treasure. It was because the, the work was needed, right? And so remember that. And remember that as artists we contribute to everyday part of society. Like there's not a part of the of the ecosystem that we don't contribute to. And that's important to remember that. Yeah. I have two final thoughts, and since I'm last, I'll just take the point of privilege and say one. Um, my final thought is I'm walking away committed to really getting to know even more about our cultural treasures in a personal way. Um, and then my other final thought is that this just simply couldn't be done without great leadership. And I just, I know he doesn't appreciate me doing this, but I just want to acknowledge Sixto for his leadership. <laughs> Sorry. See, we're early morning, so I didn't put on mascara or eyeliner, so it's all easy now. Um, uh, well, let me just say this because I, you know, <laughs> don't, don't let the eyeliner run. But I will just say that um, I, I didn't know Sixto before this. I'd heard his name, but being able to just um, through this process find a leader, we we even incorporated that in the early hiring process with Long Chu at Houston Endowment. And we were kind of like, you know what? This is not going to be a normal Q&A. This is going to be a let's let the person come and, and be who they are and just talk and share what they see for this work. And he totally did that. And it was kind of like, duh, he has been doing this work <laughs> for so many years. And, um, and to see how uh, this is complex work. I have a vast appreciation for that. And he's done it with such care. And so I just truly want to acknowledge him in that. So thanks. thank you. For you. Um, I, if I have a final thought, it is um, we are here. We are thrilled to be able to, to recognize each and every one of you. But there are other treasures that are out in the world. There are other community and artists who are able to do the work and who are doing the work. Um, we, there is more need than we have opportunity and, and with the, these resources with the BIPOC Arts Network and Fund. Why we continue to share these resources and these ideas is we invite our other partners, other people in the community, other people outside in order to help respond to those needs. Help, help us actually lift up our communities of color so that when the next crisis happens, because you know there will be another crisis, that our communities of color will not be the last to receive resources, will not be the ones who will suffer the most in terms of deaths or other like um, adverse reactions but we also recognize that we are a network who are there for each other in support 
in crisis, but we need to be a network to support each other in thriving. So thank you all very much. And now we get to just celebrate. So thank you everybody, Ooh. we meet you out in there. Oh. <laughs>